Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the 3rd and 20 Dynasty Podcast. We're on episode number 30. I'm joined here with Frank and Lunas. Jake, unfortunately, couldn't be with us today. But, you know what? It's technically not April yet when we're recording it. By the time we put it out, it will be April. And that means we're in draft season, people. We're a month away, less than a month away from the draft. And what better to kick it off than some trades, some draft trades. Um, so diving into our news and notes segments right away, the 49ers moved up in the draft with the Miami Dolphins, um, by sending the number three pick to the 49ers for, I mean, the, the Dolphins sent the number three pick to the 49ers for the number 12 pick, uh, a first round pick and a third round pick in 2022 and a first round pick in 2023. Then the Dolphins took that 12th round pick that they just traded down to and traded up with the Eagles where they traded a 2021, uh, they traded the, the 12th pick, the 4th round pick in 2021, and 2022 first for Miami 6th and a 5th, which it's a 5th. But, you know, big moves. What we essentially get with that from the first round is the Dolphins move down from 3 to 6, um, the Eagles move down from 6 to 12, and the 49ers move up from 12 to 3. So basically we're going to just dive into these trades, Find out the winners and losers, what we think is going to happen at each spot. Frank, I'll throw it to you first. Who won the trade between the 49ers and the Dolphins? You know, initially, I was thinking, hey, I think the 49ers won this. Just because the 49ers get their quarterback. But after doing the mock offseason for the 49ers, like... I, I, earlier in the draft process, it really felt like they could have got Mac Jones at 12, who I think that they want to get. That's what all the reports have been saying they wanted to get. That's who we took for them in the mock offseason <clears throat> in that in that, in that that mock draft that we did because we are like, hey, Mac Jones, he's our guy. We think he's the dude that can really lead us in the future. But, man, like, <laughs> when you when you put it out like that, the price that the Dolphins got moving back three picks is pretty ridiculous. So if there's a winner, I feel like it has to be them because they took the least amount of risk. They're probably going to get the same guy or one of the guys they were considering at three. They pick up a whole plethora of draft capital. They have a ton of draft capital this year. Jesus Christ. Like, great deal for the Dolphins. I was about to say, I think it's a big thing in Miami because I feel, at least like my most recent guesses before that trade was that they were going to take Jamar Chase at three, maybe Pitts, but I think they could still probably get him at six and while picking up another first next year. So I really like that trade for the Dolphins. I guess now for them, it's just kind of like, now it's all on Tua. They have an elite defense. Uh, he's going to have weapons now. They already had Devontae Parker. They had Will Fuller. And I'm guessing they're going to add Chase or Pitts at six, maybe Devontae Smith. Um, and now it's like, it's kind of, okay, Tua, no excuses now this year. They're committing to him. They're passing on guys like Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones uh, to stick with him. So that's a big decision. All right, Lunas, on the flip side, the Eagles actually decided to move down, and you're an Eagles fan. What do you think about that trade? Yes. So my Jamar Chase dreams are over. I have to cancel the customized jersey order. Um, <laughs> I ordered him in pits. Uh, no, but <laughs> I actually like the trade. There's a lot of spots on the roster that need to be filled. Like when they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago, it wasn't a young roster. 
Uh, there's a ton of veterans, ton of older guys. So I don't mind that uh, trade back back to 12. And at 12, there's still a good chance that they'll probably grab either one of those top corners or if somehow Devontae Smith falls, probably Jalen Waddle will be on the board there at 12. So they might be able to pick him up there, which I'll, I would be really happy with that pick or any of the top corners. And then they get, they have the potential to have three first next year. I think now what's just going to be interesting is it's Jalen Hurts really just has a year. Like they're kind of good. They're kind of telling him like, hey, we might get you Jalen Waddle, maybe not. Rager still might be your one, but you have this one year to prove yourself. And if you don't, we have potentially three first rounders next year to trade up for a top QB. So it's he, he's going to have to prove himself this year too. And he really only has this one. All right. Um, and then, so we've got now, we've got to decide what we think is happening at pick three, what we think is happening at pick six, and what we think is happening at pick 12. You guys kind of alluded to it. Frank mentioned that he thinks it's Mac Jones, and that's what a lot of reporters are saying. I'm starting to believe that's 49ers smoke screens. We're in the smoke screens part of uh, the year where NFL teams are trying to bash certain players that but, they like and why, trying to hop. Why smoke screen in that position, though? What are well, like, like the Jets and the Jags? I don't disagree. I, I honestly don't think that they've necessarily... I think there's a good chance that they might like both guys there and they might want to watch more tape and, and then figure it out then. I, I think JT's right, though. Like, there's no benefit in showing your, showing your hand at this point. Exactly. And not only that, right? Like, I know there's a lot of signs pointing to Zach Wilson going at two, but I'm not convinced that the Jets don't decide, like, hey, we're just going to stick with Sam Darnold this year. I don't think it's the right move. But I'm not convinced that that's what they do they might just move down with the the panthers or the broncos so so a team that's willing to really spend up and really give it for i don't know maybe the justin fields or trey lance whoever the 49ers actually want i don't know it's just something where nfl teams they're always trying to one-up each other so why are they going to tell each other what they're planning to do just so they get screwed over by one of the other teams if the jets don't take a, i will we're, we have a draft live stream coming up the night of the draft that we're going to be doing. I will... I'm trying to think what I would do if the Jets Put don't take a QB. Table. Um, I will crack six eggs on my head if for some okay. reason the Jets decide to stick All right, with Donald. I'm buying eggs. <laughs> no, I, I, I'll get them. I got, I got eggs. Oh, you're buying the eggs too. Okay. Yeah, what, yeah, what, yeah. what happens if, if they do draft a quarterback? Man, I don't know. You make some omelets, <laughs> I guess. I feel like I'm just kind of playing against the house. I'm taking, I'm taking the odds, so I won't make so, someone else do something. One thing I do want to ask you guys, though, is that it's almost certain now that the Dolphins decided, hey, we're passing up on Penny Sewell. Um, whether they wanted him or not, it's clear. It looks like they're taking a skill player at, at six, whether it's Pitts, Chase, Devontae Smith, Waddle, whoever. Where would you rank the Dolphins as a landing spot for a receiver Top half of the league, bottom half of the league. Do you like that if you're a big Jamar Chase fan? Let's just assume it's Jamar Chase. Yay, nay, medium, it doesn't matter. What's going on there? It's just, it's it's difficult medium? to say. Yeah, it's it's difficult to say because I, I want to compare it to, to teams that they're around, right? So, so the Bengals are a potential team that could go out and get Jamar Chase. I mean, I don't really think the Panthers will draft a receiver, but they're another one. The Broncos are also around there. Um, all those kind of teams. I think the Giants are still up there, too. 
So when I look at it in, in that regard, I would love for Jamar Chase to connect back with Joe Burrow on the Bengals. Um, it does kind of become a crowded receiver room, but I think Jamar is a much more talented wide receiver than Tyler Boyd. So, it, you know, it'll just be him and T. Higgins um, run that uh, Cincinnati. Um who actually Cincinnati fans hate Frank. Just fun fact. Um, yeah, they were not happy <laughs> yeah. with, my, with my Bengals video. But okay, um, the Cardinals fans. That's true. Cardinals <laughs> fans do like us. Shout out Cardinals fans. But, you know, when we're talking about stuff like that, right, and, and potential quarterbacks in, in those kind of situations, I, I think Miami's slightly above average, I would say. I still think is a decent quarterback. I think he just kind of has to put it all together. I think he's got all those... Uh, you know, traits. He just has to make it happen on the field and be a little more confident with his throws. Um, so when we're talking like that, I, I feel like it's a fine place for Jamar Chase to go. I wouldn't be knocking him down my board if he ends up on the Dolphins, if that's what the question is. I'm not. I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge Tua guy. Not that I don't think he can be a starting QB uh, in the NFL because I think he can for a while. But do I think he's ever going to be kind of like that star level or Pro Bowl level? personally no um but here's the thing though um i feel like we've seen so many times where like there's a receiver is like oh i love him he's so talented but then it's like oh i hate that landing spot i'm gonna kind of move away and then they prove you wrong they're still like i'm so good i'm gonna produce either way like we've seen uh people were scared about aj brown landing in tennessee because tennessee's passing game had kind of been ass for a while leading up to that obviously he was still in mariota but he was even producing with mariota um People were kind of iffy about the Jefferson landing spot in Minnesota because they were like, well, Diggs only did this last year, and that's with Thielen being hurt and Thielen's back, so what can we produce from – what can we expect from Jefferson? Jefferson balled out. So I'm not I'm not going to let the situations change it, uh, my value of him too much just because we've seen time and time again, like those talented receivers will still make plays uh, and put up points. So that's why I say neutral. Because I'm not, I'm not like it doesn't make me gain anything, but I'm not gonna put him down because I just think he's that good. I mean, with that, do we just want to move straight into the wide receiver rankings? Then I think that's a good place to go. Um, we did this with Jake actually, but Jake couldn't be here to defend any of his hot takes. Although I feel you like wanna, you want you want to know what's interesting, JT, with Jake. What's interesting? I just found it interesting that, you know, all the times during the mock drafts, remember when I was one pick ahead of him, I would pick Jalen Waddle, and then he'd be like, oh, I took the guy you should have taken. And then now, if you look at his rankings, who does he have at number two, JT? He's joining the dark side. He's joining, I don't know, are, are we the dark here. side? <laughs> and I know. He, oh, yeah, we're the dark side. I'm and the last one on this ship, it seems like. And he's oh, on this Devontae Smith ship. All, all of my fellow pirates have, have abandoned ship for other receivers, <laughs> Jake, and I'm still here like, what's happened, boys? Jake, Jake all right, all right. That, that's a good place to start, actually. <laughs> so we all, for the exception of uh, Frank, have Jamar Chase as the number one wide receiver. Frank has Devontae Smith. I feel like we've debated this to death. <laughs> like, we're team Jamar Chase. I'm anti, well, not anti Devontae Smith, but at his price, I'm anti Devontae Smith. Um, we could do this every week if we wanted to. I feel like any listener, if you just want to go back to any of our previous podcasts or YouTube videos, you'll find it. <laughs> you'll find you'll find us debating uh, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, what we like and don't like. So I feel like we'll just move on from that, right? 
And then moving on to wide receiver two is where we get crazy. So, oh JT, you want it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think I am. <laughs> we've got we've got Jake and Lunas uh, grouping together here at wide receiver two to pick Jalen Waddle, who becomes our consensus wide receiver two. Frank has Jamar Chase because obviously he didn't have him at one. I guess I'm out on an island here. I've got Rashad Bateman as my number two wide receiver. Um, I guess I could go through and kind of defend why I picked Rashad Bateman here. Um, again, this is another guy that I feel like we've talked about to kind of death, but I just feel like Rashad Bateman, while he's not specifically great at anything, I think he just has all of the tools at maybe not an elite level, but like a very much close to that kind of level where he's just a star player. Like he's not going to be as fast as Jalen Waddle. He's not going to run as, as crisp routes as Devontae Smith does, but he is just someone that I could see as the next, this, this is kind of a hot take. No, no, no. Take that back. (laughs) Take that back right now. (laughs) I, I think if I was to comp him, I, I just think, like, it's, it's not a great comp because they're not similar. I, I see him more of in similarity to, like, a Des Bryant type. But I think from production value, like, he could be the next Devontae Adams. Like, that's kind of where I see him. Obviously, it's going to take the right fit for that to happen but and right progression. But that's, I think, between him and Jamar Chase, these are two wide receiver ones that we're going to have for the next, I don't know, five, six years. But I'm just really high on Bateman. And as we'll see later on, I guess I'm way higher on him than consensus. Um, Dude, to be honest, though, like, I'm not necessarily out-out on Rashad Bateman. I know I have him relatively low in my rankings. I think part of it is that I felt like I, I, when I finished watching his tape, I watched a lot of tape on Rashad Bateman. And I really felt like I, I wanted to see a little bit more in all phases. Because you were saying, oh, well, he's a Des Bryant. Like, yeah, he had a couple contested catches, but it, it wasn't consistent. Like, he's got a good release. He's got good feet. His hands, meh at best, but he can improve. And it's like, you know, if I compare him to the receivers last year, someone like Brandon Ayuk, who within two games, I was like, okay, this guy is a stud. Like, first-round pick receiver. Um, I, I just haven't found out for a lot of these receivers, not just Rashad Bateman. Like, I, I think a lot of these guys, um, that are in this, like from pick rank three to like rank 18, it's like, I have no idea what's, what the hell is going to happen with them. I think that they all have a lot of flaws. So for me, Rashad Bateman, the first thing I need to see is I need to see some draft capital, which I'm not even sure I'm going to get to be completely honest, That's... but that's the minimum thing I need to see out of Rashad Bateman for me to believe in him. But at that point, then you got the JTs who are going to be picking him high in the first round. I think yeah. Jeff Capital is going to have a big impact because I've seen I've seen him like I remember early on in the offseason process he was going in that twenties range. Like a lot of people had him mocked to Baltimore, for example, or like a Green Bay. I've seen him drop out of like a lot of people's top fifty. So I think it's going to depend. Obviously, where he goes is going to be very telling. If, if he ends up becoming, like, a third-round pick, that's when I'd get a little worried. But anywhere in the top two rounds, I'm fine with. Um, there were some studies that kind of showed that NFL teams, like, 
there really isn't a huge difference between players picked in the end of the first middle slash end of the first round compared to players picked at all in the second round. Um, then once you get to the third round and beyond, it gets kind of I completely you know, hazy. agree with that. I think people take way too much stock in the order of the of where they're picked and not are generally around where they are because one thing that we don't see and don't hear is that teams pick players to fill specific roles in their offenses. They're not just out there and saying, well, some of the teams at least aren't just saying, okay, well, who's the best right guard? Let's just let's just listen to this scout and whoever he says is the best. No, like they they have to fit a specific role, a specific system. And it's the same thing with receivers. You know, if if a team say they like a slot receiver, but they already have that position filled or they don't want to use that in their offense, then they're not going to pick that, even though they might have them higher on their board. I think people forget that a lot. Yeah, exactly. It's just once you get into the, the day three kind of receivers, that's when there is the, the big drop-off. It's much harder to break out when you're uh, day three draft capital and beyond, uh, undrafted, I guess that means beyond. But, yeah, Um all right, so I guess that's enough time spending on me hyping up uh, Rashad Bateman just for someone to steal him in front of me in our drafts. Um, so moving on, Jalen Waddle was our consensus number two. So we got Jamar Chase one, Jalen Waddle two. Uh, I guess I'm the lowest on him out of the bunch, but I have him at pick three. Oh, no, wait. Frank has him at Dude, six, no, you're actually. not. <laughs> yeah, Frank has him at six. All right, Frank, why are you low on Jalen Waddle? Um, once again, he's just a receiver that for me, when I watched the tape, I was left with a lot of question marks. Um, I think he's good. I think he's a good player. It's just, I think the main problem I have with him is that I saw basically zero physicality in his game. And we've seen receivers that are speed guys not be able to play at the NFL because they aren't good physically. If you, if you're going to compare him to Tyree kill, you got to realize that this Tyree Kill likes to play physical. We said it on the last podcast. Tyree Kill, if he doesn't immediately burn you off the line, he wants to get in that hand fighting, that jam, and he's got really good balance. The dude was a freaking running back, for God's sakes. Jalen Waddle is not bad. Jalen Waddle is purely, I want to beat you with quickness, I want to beat you with footwork, and I want to beat you with speed. And because he didn't necessarily, like, listen, he's my sixth prospect, basically tied with Elijah Moore. Um, it's not like I'm really low on him. It's just no, nowhere near Devontae Smith, in my opinion. I understand the whole BMI and, and profile concerns. It's just I think he's a little bit too one-dimensional. He, I didn't really see him line up on the outside. I, I didn't see him play physical. For me, at the NFL, a lot of that stuff does not fly, especially when, when you get later into seasons. There are teams that are just going to go press man on you. And you got to be able to beat that physicality from a lot of these quick D-backs. Okay, Frank. You made two really great points, I think, there. Right? So, first you talked about, we're not, like, don't compare him to Tyreek Hill unless you're sure about I just think that's something that people keep doing with so many wide receivers. And it's like, guys, like, let's not worry about trying to find the next Tyreek Hill. Because that's when you just overdraft players that end up being you know, not relevant in fantasy. I, I, will, I will say, Waddle reminds me more of Tyreek than Henry Ruggs did last year. 
Definitely. For sure. De- but I, like, I, yeah, I think JT's right, though. Why are we comparing any receiver to a guy that played running back at school, transitioned into receiver? Like, you, There's not a whole lot of guys that have that skill set that he does. Exactly. I think Lotto has a yards after catch ability. Tyree yeah, has. but it's different, though. Like, I don't even care about the yards after catch. Like, Tyree, like, he just plays so physical. Every time I see Tyree kill... He wants to get. He wants that fighting. He wants that. You know, Jalen Waddle. I've I've not seen one snap where he wants it. Like, I got into an argument, read it with someone. It's not that he can't go up and catch a 50-50 ball. You know that that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how he wants to run his routes, how he wants to get open, how he wants to play as a receiver before he catches the ball. He doesn't want the physicality. He wants to beat you with his feet and his quickness. I feel like Will Fuller is probably a better comp. To Jalen yeah. Waddle, I, I think Will Fuller is probably the guy that I think of when I think Jalen Waddle, right? Because they're they're not big guys, like they're they're as you said, they're not physical guys, but they are those guys that can be that deep threat too, though. Um, but can also do stuff with the ball in their hands. Um, I'm trying to think yeah. what my comp is for him. If you were to combine might be a Will faster... Fuller with Sterling Shepard, I think that... those are, those are two really good comps. I feel like for me, I like that cause... a lot. Because for me, here's the thing with Waddle. I think he can play on the outside. I think at Bama, he was asked to play inside a lot. I think he has the physical capabilities to play on the outside. Um, I don't disagree with that. It's just I'm not going to put him at my wide receiver, too, and I haven't seen it. That's fair. Um, But I just – he did occasionally, but not as much this past season. But I will say with Waddle and the Will Fuller thing, I don't think it does enough justice to how much, like – I think if you hit Waddle on like an in route or a slant, he has a much higher chance of just beating a bunch of guys and taking that to the house than Will Fuller. Like I agree with the straight line speed aspect, but I just think I'm way more scared of Jalen Waddle with the ball in his hands than I ever am of Will Fuller. Because Will Fuller, I'm scared of burning me deep. Not so much like, oh, he may take this slant to the house. See, it's funny. funny. I think it's the other way around for me. I feel like I'm more... Not that I'm scared of Will Fuller with the ball in his hands, but... I don't really feel like I'm too you don't scared think Waddle of Waddle when with he gets... the ball in his hands. Really? No, not maybe on kick returns where there's more space, but um, I, I think that people overestimate a little bit his yards after catchability. I might be wrong there, but I do really fear Waddle on an island one-on-one because he's one of the best double-move receivers I think I've watched. There's the thing that scares me about Jalen Waddle. He'll make every defensive back's tackling angle trying to chase him down look so stupid. He's going to outrun everyone so bad, and he has those kick return skills. I think that's kind of the thing that impressed me most. And that's, I think, one of the bigger differences also between him and Ruggs because they're both speedsters. But I think well, Ruggs had pretty good ability after, which is, he was insanely fast, but I don't know. I, I just like Waddle. Let's move on, though. Let's move yeah. on. Yeah. All right. So our next guy. So... Again, we had Chase at one. Uh, we had Waddle as our two. Devontae Smith is our three. And, again, is something that we'll just... We could run until the cows come home. The biggest difference is I have them all the way down at seven. Frank has them at one. Um, we've said it a billion times. Um, if you want to go listen to one of Me and Jake have them at three. Episodes. Yeah, Jake and Lewis are with him at three. So that makes him our third wide receiver. I think we could just kind of skip over him. We've talked about him so much. Um, Rondell Moore is our number four consensus. And we're pretty consistent in the most part where Lunas and I have him as 
Um, the number, actually, sorry, Jake and I have him as the number four wide receiver. Um, Frank has him all the way up to number three. And, oh, sorry, hold on. Everyone I was going to say, I thought I had him at Jake four. Jake and yeah. JT have him at five. five. I have him at three. Lunas has Lunas him at has four. four. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Got my numbers mixed up. Uh, I can count, I swear. Um, <laughs> that does yeah. make him the consensus fourth overall receiver. He was someone that we talked about last week. Uh, we had a good clip on him where he came in and measured smaller than everyone thought he was going to be. But it's like everyone knew he was small in the first place. So I feel like we're punishing him for being small twice, which I don't yeah. think is fair to Rondo Moore. Um, well, if you turn on the tape for 30 seconds, you kind of yeah. see that he's shorter than everyone. Yeah, everyone like, <laughs> yeah. If, if yeah. Rondell Moore was six foot, he could be my wide receiver too. If he yeah, was six foot or six one, definitely would be. Yeah, but like shortest guy in the room measures out to shortest guy in the room. Everyone <laughs> yeah. shocked Pikachu. Yeah, face. it's, it's like, like we already knew this. Like <laughs> if, if he was six one, he'd be. I think my wide receiver too. Honestly, it it's also like it's it's like we saw him at like Frank said like it, height isn't something that you could just hide. It's not like he's running around with high heels on like. You, you look and you see, like, wait, I guess you could kind of be like, oh, wow, he weighs less than I thought. Like, maybe, I don't know, he just looks bigger with pads on or something. Like, height is not something <laughs> that you could just hide. So, I feel like everyone's kind of making a bigger deal about it than what it was. We talked about that on the last episode as well. Uh, there's a lot of things to like about Rondell Moore. I sneaky think, like, he'll be a very good value pick for wherever he's going to end up in the draft. Um... I think we could skip over him too. He's someone that we kind of, you know, talked about in great detail. You guys talked about um, him last episode too, yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're big on Rondell Moore. Uh, probably bigger than consensus, which we'll talk about. At number five, someone that I just called the next Devontae Adams, which I am already kind of feeling lukewarm on, but I'm going to stick to it. Um, we've got Rashad Bateman at five. Um, Moving on to number six, someone that we have not covered yet, and we've only covered, I think, one other episode in the past. We've got Diami Brown, and that's mostly powered by me and Frank having him at four. Uh, Lunas has Diami Brown at seven in his rankings, and Jake, I don't even know where Jake, Jake has him at eight. 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 So Frank and I have him at four. Uh, Jake has him at eight. Lunas has him at seven. Diami Brown, UNC, he actually ran a 4-4 at his pro day, so... No um, way. Yeah. No, I like 444. Like 444. Not not 44 flat. 444. He checks every box, but, dude. He literally yeah, people, checks every freaking box. So so my thing about Diami Brown, right, was people were saying that he he drops passes and he can't uh he's not fast. Like he doesn't have it. I've been <laughs> saying for a people while. People saying now, he's not fast? Apparently. Yeah. Yeah, well, go go look on Reddit, Lewis. Go look on Reddit. I be, no, I, be, we'll, I believe you. I'm yeah. just saying that's we'll, so dumb. We'll talk about him. We'll talk about him uh, in the future with, with where consensus has him versus where we have him. Um, but yeah, Frank just mentioned it. He checks every box. I feel like I just think he's going to be that. Other than uh, Chase and Bateman, and I feel like maybe Waddle. Uh, I just feel a little more comfortable in where uh, Waddle. Like the, like the floor of Waddle, but I truly believe Diami Brown has one of the higher ceilings next to Chase and Bateman in that he could be that alpha receiver for a team. Um, I don't know about you, Frank. What, what do you think? What do you like about Diami Brown? So for Diami Brown, um, he is basically the only receiver that watching tape this season I fell in love with. 
Um, Devontae Smith, I already had a high grade on last year. So, like, me saying I like him is, okay, who cares? Like, old news. Same thing with Jamar Chase. We all knew he was good last year. For me, same thing with Rondale Moore. Those are my top three guys coming in. But Diami Brown, I turn on, I turn on the UNC games because, first off, watching UNC is great. I freaking love that program. That, they are awesome. That they all play offense. so hard. That entire offense is really entertaining to watch. He's got their two running backs who are going to go this year, Diami Brown, and then Howell, who's supposed to be a top three QB next year. So there was like I was. Always I don't want to get that. into Howell because I've got some takes on Howell that people okay, aren't cool. going to like. That'll come in the future. Um, but Diami Brown, dude, this I, I was really shocked because I know JT is, had been saying all offseason, "Oh, Diami Brown, Diami Brown, Diami Brown," like very good, very good. And I just never watched him, dude. I turn on the tape and. He's not necessarily making a ton of plays, but I think, A, the offense did hinder him a little bit. B, his skill set translates to the NFL perfectly. This is a guy, it's like it's like when I watched Chase Claypool last year. You just look at him and you're like, well, they definitely could have used him more. He wins the reps. He's a huge deep threat. He's good with the ball in his hands. Yeah, he has a couple focus drops, but I'm not going to kill a guy for a D-back making a nice play on a couple of plays and him just turning his head up before looking, you know, looking the ball in. It's happened to the best. Like, listen, what, I'm going to say Antonio Brown's a bad receiver because early in his career he drops a screen pass looking ahead? Everyone does it. Um, Yeah, Diamond Brown, the one receiver, one and a half receiver that I fell in love with watching tape this year. I have him at number four, same tier as Rondell Moore. I actually think that there's a slightly decent chance that he can get some good draft capital in the NFL draft. I wouldn't be surprised if he went towards the end of the first round. As long as he's drafting in the top three rounds, I'm I'm loving Diami Brown wherever he goes. Um, one more thing about him, Frank. I've got I've got a sneaky comp on him. You're a Steelers fan. What do you think about like Santonio Holmes? Do you think he? I feel like when I see him, I, I get a lot of Santonio Holmes vibes from Diamond. Who did Chris Sims comp him to? Didn't Chris Sims comp him to Odell? I damn, I'll take these comps. Like, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be. I feel like when the ball's in the air, that's probably when he comps him to uh, OBJ because it's kind of like if you watch him play, like he's kind of just running, and all of a sudden, like he's faster than the corner next to him out of nowhere, kind of, and the ball he gets like right underneath it. Um, I forget what team it's against. I'm describing kind of a specific play, but there is a pattern of that happening. Um, so, yeah, I, I do see the Odell when the ball's in the air. I, from the line of scrimmage and lining up and stuff, I don't know if I necessarily see that with Odell, but I'm not upset with it. Yeah. In terms of San Antonio Holmes, I don't think he necessarily has the shake, but he's more physical. Yeah. All right, well, we're just comping him to... Some some great wide receivers. So, um, I guess we are very high on Miami Brown. Yeah, um, I, I and I do want to say like wide receiver seven sounds kind of low. I really like it. Like I think I agree with you guys. He has one of the highest ceilings in this draft. It's just there's so many receivers that I do like in this draft. It was hard putting him ahead of some others. Like, um, right, I I put him I put him ahead of Bateman. I put him ahead of Terrace Marshall. Uh, there's just some guys that I'm like. It's hard for me to put them ahead of uh, Rondell Moore, or Tony, or Elijah Moore. Like, so yeah, I mean, we'll probably. get into those guys in a little bit. But. Yeah. All right. So um, he was actually based on a consensus. He's tied with Rashad Bateman for number five. So whichever one you want to put five, six, uh, Bateman, Diami Brown. That's who they are. Uh, moving on to the what ends up being the seventh wide receiver in our consensus ranking is Elijah Moore. Um, 
it looks like I might be the lowest on Elijah Moore. I've got him at eight. Jake's got him at six, as well as Frank. And Lunas has him all the way up on five. Um, I kind of feel like when we're talking about Elijah Moore, what Lunas just said about Diane Brown is how I kind of feel about Elijah Moore. I just, I don't dislike him. I just kind of like everyone else above him. I just, I don't think, obviously, I feel like everyone here will agree he's not an, an alpha like, I don't think he's going to be the wide receiver one on the team. Uh, do do we, either of you disagree with that? I think he could lead the team in catches, but I don't think he's like a conventional outside, like, X receiver. Yeah, same. I think he can definitely produce, but, yeah, he's not going to be like that cl- prototypical number one. Yeah, um, I feel like we've talked about him in the past. For me, it's just like, He's good at most things. I just, I don't know if he's great at anything. I was a little underwhelmed with this tape, to be honest, with how much people were hyping him up and and looking at all those like, our dynasty, our slash dynasty like, uh, separation and route running clips and like highlight things. I was expecting a little bit more out of him. What what aspects were you let down from? Like, is there something you were looking for that you were kind of like, eh? Well, first off. I hate that Ole Miss offense. To be completely honest, I was because I was like about to receivers. say I, w- I wasn't a big fan of that offense this year. Um, so that, that's the first thing I lead off with. I I, ne- I have never liked that offense. To be honest, for any of the receivers that came out, I've been pretty high on a lot of their receivers. Um, I don't know. I think I was expecting a little bit more in like. I guess like the intermediate, that short intermediate phase of the field, I think like a lot of his production was kind of schemed up to a certain extent. Like not all of it, don't get me wrong. Like he made some really good plays, but let's not act like he didn't get a a fair share of basically run plays, like all those screens and that bull crap that definitely inflated his stats a little bit. My, My prediction for Elijah Moore is... It's kind of unfair because I'm predicting where he goes, but I just I, I see a team like the Ravens being the one to draft him, and then his value just kind of plummets. I, I hate that fit. I hate that fit. <laughs> I, I that's just I, I see it I in my head. I, I see it coming up. Elijah Moore to the Ravens. I'd be so mad. I'm really scared he's going to become like the next Anthony Miller. Yeah, I did. Did he run I, a forty yet? Does anyone know his time? Yeah, yeah, he actually ran to? a four. A four-three-three, I think. It was a really fast forty. Ooh, damn. Yeah. These pro day times are getting again, crazy. Out again, here. it is pro day. Because <laughs> like, I was gonna say, you know who, you know who might kind of be my comp for him. Um, kind of reminds me. I think he has some Curtis Samuel in him. Yeah, uh, I can see that. Especially how Curtis was in Ohio State too, with kind of using him in a lot of those run plays and just kind of scheming plays for him. Um, I thought he reminded me of that that insane route running around four-three speed. Uh, playing in the slot a lot, but can't play outside. Um, that That's who he kind of initially reminded me of. I don't know if that's a perfect comp because I didn't go like fully in-depth thinking of every receiver, but that was a name that came to mind. I mean, what you just described to me kind of feels more like a Tyler Lockett-like player. Um, and in that case, like he is going to need like a, a solid QB, I feel like, to be you know relevant. I just – I think his talent's good just – not great. Like, this is kind of where I'm starting to feel like I'm starting to pump the brakes a little bit on these guys. I'm not yeah, totally Yeah, for me, it's them. like, I like him, 
but I'm not taking him if I had 112. I, I, I'm not yeah. that high on him. Whereas with Diami Brown, I would. Exactly, yeah. Um, all right, let's move on. So now we're moving on to, we're only doing 10 of these, so we're on wide receiver 8. And this guy's an interesting one because uh, I feel like Jake's normally the highest on him. Um, and it appears that he is in this case too, so Jake can't really go back to uh, to bat for his guy. I always screw it up. Is it Tylen or Tylen Wallace? I think Tylen um, Wallace. Tylen Wallace. Tylen Wallace. I love Tylen Wallace. Yeah, I I think he's pretty good too. Yeah. I have him uh, as my wide receiver nine. He's our wide receiver eight overall. Tylen Wallace. Uh, I have him at nine. Jake's got him at seven. Frank's also got him at nine. Lunas, he's your tenth. So we all kind of have him over the board. What Jake having him at seven? Tenth. Oh yeah, he's my tenth. Yeah, Jake having him at seven is kind of what pushes him up. So I, Jake can't really. I can't believe he's out of my god. But Frank, if you want it, you said you love Tylen Wallace. What what you what's that love about him? Dude, I've had Tylen Wallace on my radar for a while. I really really like him. I think his game does translate to the NFL. I do have some major question marks, which is why I kind of have him. Like, honestly, from receiver seven, who my current receiver seven would be Tamarion Terry, all the way to, like, probably receiver 13 or 14. They're just – they all have a very similar talent level. There's a lot of questions with Tyler Wallace. It's like, I really think his release is bad. Um, and he plays in the Big 12, which is, like, major red flags if you look at Big 12 receivers from the past. Um, but dude, this guy, he, he just is able to find the football. I remember the game against Tulsa where their, their quarterback got hurt and their offense literally became, Hey, let's just chuck the ball up to Tylen Wallace. And he made plays and, and that works in the NFL. I think he's got good feel. Um, apparently he ran like a four, three something at, at his pro day, which honestly shocked the crap out of me. Yeah, he does was, not look like I, did, it on, I didn't know that. Tape. Um, I don't think I changed my rankings, but that definitely makes me like it more. If that's I need time. if he gets if he gets second round draft capital, then I will be much higher on him. But until I see that, until I see an NFL team really believe in him, I haven't seen it consistently enough on tape for me to just buy him outright. Him and, and one other wide receiver that we're going to talk about. I know I'm the analytical guy on here. Him and one other wide receiver that we will get to in a, like a minute are the two that don't really check all of the boxes from an analytical standpoint, but they're the ones that I am still willing to kind of, I don't know if necessarily reach is the right word, but like the guys are like, you know, I don't know where you guys were taking them in your consensus. We'll talk about that later, but I wouldn't be upset um, taking him mid second round, maybe even mid to early, depending on who's around the board. So he is someone I guess that I would be okay reaching for. At what his current consensus value is, um, yeah, I don't have anything else to add on him. If you guys want, yeah, he's to at on. a good price right now, which is what's like yeah. very nice about it is that you do not have to give up a ton. Like, cause I have him at, at, at a very similar rating to someone like Rashad Bateman, which I understand is off consensus, but the price that I have to pay for the two of them is that I can literally drop an entire round and still land Tyler Wallace in some drafts, at least as of right now. Yeah. Uh, we'll get that to that when we're going to do a whole consensus breakdown. Um, but yeah, all right. So to, to wrap up, uh, sorry, to sum up the, the most recent picks, um, from five, we've got Bateman and Diami Brown kind of tied. 
Then at so they're five and six. At seven's Elijah Moore. Eight is Tylen Wallace, and then now we are at nine. Uh, Terrace Marshall. He's someone that I've been uh, the high piper for. I guess I've been saying great things about Terrace Marshall. Uh, he's from LSU. He was playing with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Um, he's the other guy that I just mentioned that doesn't technically check all of the the production standpoint and whatnot from an analytical sense, but he is someone that I'm definitely willing to reach for in the draft. Um, I had a great he's line the, that a, I wanted. He's the Kelvin Harmon to uh, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. I don't disagree. <laughs> Strong disagree. Strong disagree. <laughs> I can't think of a team with three great wide receivers on it because Alabama's not that. They don't have, like, the three great ones. But um, Last year they did. They had four. They're not great, though, right? It would just be like Florida. Kyle Pitts is so big he counts as two. All right, why do you, why yeah. do you like Terrace Marshall? Other than, Again, aside from the fact that he doesn't fit analytics. The, the pat on my back kind of line that I had earlier is I just think he's going to be what like people wanted Denzel Mims to be. I, I said that a while ago when we were talking about him and we are first getting into him. Uh, he does kind of check like decent amount of boxes. It's just like he doesn't get that production standpoint. But like, can you blame him when he's playing on a team with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase? Justin Jefferson just had a you know rookie record-setting year on LSU, and Jamar Chase is considered one of the top uh, wide receiver prospects to come out um, recently. So it's hard for me to blame him. I, I guess it is kind of hypocritical of me to say that when Devontae Smith doesn't do the same thing, but I just think the wide receivers at LSU are uh, significantly better than the wide receivers at Alabama when it comes to what their pro style is going to be and what they'll do in the pros. Um, but... He, he does have that alpha wide receiver. He's like 6'3", 200 pounds. Like he's, a, he's an alpha wide receiver for me. So he's someone that I'm willing to take the risk on because once we get past Terrace Marshall, there are some big speedy wide receivers um, that we still have listed, but I feel like none of them are as – like they're, they're not – they're more raw than what I think Terrace Marshall is, um, if that makes sense. I think I think Terrace Marshall is the one that's most likely to have success out of that next kind of group of guys. All right, Loon, that's you're it. up. Last oh one is God. Tony. So this is just blatant disrespect. Oh, no. <laughs> this is blatant disrespect. Um, who, Wait till who, you who get were, to consensus, who, what, people. <laughs> which which of you little shits didn't have him on your top ten? All of us except for you. Yeah, you're the only one that had him <laughs> on your top ten. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair to be fair lunas i was very close to having him there because he's in that tier like i could easily replace him with tamari on terry how does how does your guys opinion changes if he goes late first early second in real life no not at all in fact i'd be more afraid of drafting him there <laughs> does he enter he doesn't enter your top 10 no <laughs> I don't even know if he enters my top 15. I don't know if he enters my top 15. I think it depends on what team he went to. Did you watch the games? Yeah, I've seen Kadarius Tony play. Let me me hear why Tony is not in your top 15. This is your job to tell us why he is in the top 15. Okay, I'll tell you why he's in the top 15. For some, a lot of the same reasons Rondell Moore is loved, I think Tony can do a lot of those same abilities. I don't think he's as kind of explosive. Well, actually... I think he's a little bit quicker. I think uh, Rondo Morse is a little bit more built and stronger. But he's bigger than... Like, I don't think a lot of people knew Tony is six foot. Um, so he's got good height weight. 
And then also just he was making explosive plays all year. Like he makes defenders in the SEC just look like they hadn't played football before ever. How I see him projecting, I see him like a Debo Samuel type player in the NFL. A player that offenses are going to give him a lot of screens, a lot of end arounds. And he can make, I don't think he's quite as strong as Debo, but I think he's quicker than he is. And I see him kind of filling that role in the NFL where it's just he's someone where if you get the ball in his hands, he's just going to make ridiculous plays. I don't know if there's a quicker player in the draft than him. Receiver-wise, that like just makes people miss as much as Tony does with the ball in his hands. Who who would you say does that better than the Cardarius Tony in this draft? Does it? No, I'll give you that. I just think he's raw yeah. as fuck. Like, yeah. it, I'm, yeah. I'm taking a player... And I need to know that he's on a team that has an emphasis on developing players because if they expect him to go in there day one and be, let's say, Antonio Brown and play that role out the get-go, it's like, well, then you're setting him up for, for failure. But I agree with you. I like him. Um, but I'm not going to go out here and put him in like my top six like you are. I don't believe in him that much. Part of why I, I put him there is I think he's a very I, risky prospect. I think he's going earlier, like, not early but like i think he's gonna have really good draft capital and yeah I, I do too but i think that's more so off of his athletic ability than it is off of him being a really good receiver he'll probably be a better real life player well no he'll definitely be a better real life player than fancy player because fancy wise i just i don't think he's going to ever amount to much like when, when we look at his college production right like I get that he was transitioning to to wide receiver, but this is the only year, his senior year, where he had over three, he, where he had over five hundred yards of production line uh, of um, yards from scrimmage. Right, this is the only year he had over five hundred yards from scrimmage, and it took him to be a senior playing with Kyle Trask, who is one of the best quarterbacks in college right now, and. There's just way too much of like red flags for me with Kendarius Tony that I I'm not touching him wherever he's doing he's it going against some pick. of the best defenses too. LSU's defense and Alabama's defense, he torched both of them. I'll draft him. I'm not gonna reach for him though. Like if 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 it's good ADP, I'll pick him. But like you're valuing him at an early second round pick, which I wouldn't. Yeah. I don't think I draft him right now at an early second. Like that mid to late second. Like if I. If I'm a team that I had a bunch of draft picks, right? I had like three picks in, before 205, and then I'm sitting there 207, and I see Tony. Then yeah, I'd love to take a really risky prospect like Tony. But if I'm a team that I have no first round pick, two second round picks, and I need to hit on some players, I'm not taking a prospect that I deem as risky as Tony is. I'm I'm not even taking him in the third. I want no part of Kadarius. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so out on Kadarius. JT, I'm not Devonte Smith hater. You I'm a Kadarius Tony hater. You better hope he's a bust. Oh my I, god! I know he's going hope to be he's a bust. I'm Look. I'm getting all these clips ready next season. <laughs> all of them ready. And... Clip it, Frank. Clip it. I don't know <laughs> what bet we should I'll, make. I'll, I'll get them. From the mock drafts we did, from this. Oh, man, you better hope he's a bust. You what, better in, hope so. In your wildest dreams, what do you expect Kadarius Tony to be? Like, like I know you mentioned, like, Debo Samuel, but, like, fantasy-wise production, mm-hmm. like, what's mm-hmm. he hitting? What number? Give me a number per game. How many points per game is he getting? Like, as a rookie or in his prime? His prime. Like, say, year three, Kadarius Tony. Well, I think prime Tony is, like, prime Percy Harvin. 
in Minnesota. Why? He just says, when I watch both of them, that's who he reminds me of. Just with how, he's, I'd say maybe he's not quite a straight line speed fast, but he was, I think he can put up uh, years with over 1,000 total yards. I think probably in his prime over 1,100 total yards. Um, yeah, and I think he can also score a decent amount. I just think he's someone that offenses are going to get the ball in his hands a ton, and he's just going to make defenders look stupid. He did it to Alabama. He had that entire defense smoked for that entire game. I think he had like 150 receiving yards or something. And then LSU, he smoked even worse. Like Those are two, two really good SEC defenses. Texas A&M, he played well against. Um, I think he had two touchdowns against Texas A&M. Uh, Frank's typing something. Am I, do, I, do I have the clownus? No, no, you don't. But all right, <laughs> oh, oh. one one last thing, and we'll move on. Uh, oh. Lunas, about about, That's... I think it's like sixteen and a half points per game is a, is a wide receiver one, and I think it's like twelve points per game is a wide receiver two. Is Kadarius Tony like in that ever in his career? Is, is he like a normal mainstay twelve point per game kind of guy? I definitely think like when like he's like in stride, like maybe not first year, but like towards like around his prime the years before years after i think he could be a really good wide receiver too all right i just don't see it i just want i just wanted to get you all on tape saying that (laughs) um all right so moving on um you know we talked about trades and we talked about the dolphins eagles and 49ers making trades um so now we kind of want to do something fun here where we predict the next trade that's going to happen with the nfl draft uh, we're talking off stream about it earlier. Uh, Frank, who do you think's uh, going to be the team that makes the trade? What do you think's happening? Like, how big are we talking? Like draft big as trade? big as your wildest dreams. Like, like I'll give you two real quick. How about that? I'll give you one kind of small, wow. but then one kind of big. Okay. Um, first one, Sam Darnold gets dealt. I think we all know it's happening. It's got to happen sooner or later. Sam Darnold's going somewhere. Um. To where, um, Dolphins. Why not? Um, <laughs> in division. <Dolphins? laughs> I don't know. I just picked a random team that oh, okay. kind of needed a backup quarterback. <laughs> um, I think the next one though is what? Why not? Why not the uh, the Bengals or the Falcons trading down if if a team likes Trey Lance? Because my whole thing is with the Bengals is that. A lot of people are saying they'll take Penny Sewell. Well, this is a team that has two tackles. Apparently, they still really like Jonah Williams. So, if they were to pick up an offensive lineman, I, I would think that they'd want it to be on the interior. Not that you can't put Sewell on the interior. It's just, you know, you're, you're spending the fifth pick in the draft to move a tackle to guard. It's just a little weird. Uh, this is a team that, to me, needs help on the defensive side of the ball more than the offensive side of the ball. So, if you're able to get a King's Ransom for that pick where you're getting almost like a whole slew of draft picks or, or maybe future draft picks. I, I don't see why the Bengals can't be a team that, that can trade down instead of being this team that everyone seems is a lock to pick Penny Sewell. See, here's the thing with the, with the Bengals. I don't think like you're saying if someone wants Trey Lance, right? To trade up with the Bengals. Uh, or uh, which, I never said that. Whichever QB. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Back. Um, but so here's the problem. None That trade wouldn't happen until... Unless you're saying at this moment, too. That trade won't happen until people see Atlanta pick a non-quarterback. Because imagine trading up to that Cincinnati pick for your QB. 
then after you make that trade, someone trades well, up with yeah, Atlanta and have, takes like, it. Atlanta would have to be would pick. Right, you're right. But because that that's what I think ends up happening. I don't. Maybe Atlanta drafts a quarterback. Maybe I don't know. But I can just say that I numbers, think they take Penny Sewell. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think if they stay put, that's probably who I would guess. But I think that number four pick is going to end up being a QB. I don't think it'll mm. be the Falcons. I think someone's going to end up overpaying to make sure that they get one of those top four or five quarterbacks at four. I I actually don't think that pick's going to be quarterback. I know, I think it was Adam Schefter said, like, oh, there's going to be four quarterbacks going in the top five picks. Um, I just don't think the NFL's willing to do that. But for my prediction and why I think it's going to happen, I think the Panthers and the Broncos are going to get into a bidding war with each other. For the Lions pick. For that pick. fourth pick? Oh, for the no, Lions No, the pick. Lions pick. Yeah. So so the Broncos, I, I think we're going to get kind of like a, a draft day of the movie scenario where the the Broncos are going to try and jump the Panthers uh, to get to that seventh pick, right? But the Lions are going to turn around and go, we could probably get more value for this. Like, let's just go ask the Panthers. Like, the, the um, Lions want to draft you. Um, I mean, the, sorry, the Broncos want to trade with us. They want our seventh pick. And then the Panthers are going to just be like, screw it. We'll, we'll give more than what the Broncos are willing to pick. And then wherever, whichever team gets there, whatever quarterback falls to them, I, I feel like it's going to end up being the Panthers trade with the Lions to move up one more pick, and they take Trey Lance at pick number seven. That's my prediction for the next trade. I'd okay. say that'd be interesting. <laughs> I, that'd be really interesting. Um, sorry, I just died for a second on my screen. A little bidding war it's action? Cool. I like it. I hope so. That'd be exciting. I, still I felt like I'd make it a little spicy. In, I, I just want All one right, of those but, guys in Carolina so bad. While, while, we're talking about, while we're talking about quarterbacks and trading up for quarterbacks, um, I've got some interesting stuff that... And this is going to, real quick, an obligatory starting this off, fuck you, JT, because I know you're going to be all, like, twiddling your thumbs over here over over me hyping JT. up Justin Fields with this with this data. But basically, I spent some guru. time the past two days guru. looking at the rushing upside of quarterbacks in Dynasty, mainly from last year, because in, in the subreddit, the r slash dynasty, r slash fantasy football, all this stuff, you always hear the terms... Rushing floor, rushing upside being thrown around. And I actually just kind of wanted to go out here and see what the hell was going on. And long story short, it's real. Unsurprisingly, right? Quarterbacks that can run get more fantasy points on average. Now, it's not always the case. You know, you can look at Cam Newton, and he's a meddling quarterback, right? He finished, like, somewhere as, like, a QB2 and someone like Tom Brady was a top 10 quarterback, so it's not a for sure thing. But the data was kind of interesting. So the first thing I wanted to do with this is that there is a clear difference, to me at least, between rushing floor and rushing upside. And I define that difference as rushing upside is your Kyler Murray and your Lamar Jackson. A guy that somewhere between 35 to even 50% of their overall fantasy production will be from running. That is rushing upside to me. A guy that can carry their fantasy production with rushing. Where So Kyler Murray last year, 38.54% of his fantasy production was rushing. Lamar Jackson, 42.22%. They were both top 10 quarterbacks. Kyler Murray finishing number one through 15 game, or 16 games. Rushing floor, on the other hand, 
is your Russell Wilson, your Josh Allen, your Deshaun Watson. That guy that's going to give you a stable little 400 rushing yards, a handful of touchdowns, anywhere between three to six touchdowns, that gives you a nice 60 to 80 point floor that if you have an average passing year compared to other quarterbacks, that will propel you into the top 10. And to further drive this home, if you take someone who has less of a rushing floor than I said, those Russell Wilsons and Shaw Watsons, and give him the rushing floor of Ryan Tannehill, um, who had 228 yards, five touchdowns, a decent rushing year. If you gave that rushing floor to Ben Roethlisberger last season, Ben Roethlisberger would have finished quarterback six through 16 games last year. Instead of so, uh, instead of what? Instead of quarterback, somewhere between like thirteen to fifteen, somewhere around there. Damn yeah, so um, it's a big jump. It's a little bit. Yeah, it is. It's a big jump. Yeah, he that, went from that's a quarterback to two to like sense. a decent quarterback one. Um, so I kind of wanted to pull this together and like, what about the draft? Because I see everyone saying, oh well, the the QB two or QB three in the draft in their dynasty league draft is going to be whoever lands in San Francisco, whether it's Justin Fields, Mac Jones, or Trey Lance. And I know J- JT has been adamant about having Justin Fields as QB2. And I think this data legitimately supports that in that you still have to be a top half of the league passer if you're one of these guys that wants to have a rushing floor. You still need to be a very good passer of the football. But at the end of the day, if you have Justin Fields and Mac Jones as the same rating of passers, or at least very similar then there is definitely merit to having Justin Fields rated a decent bit higher because if they pan out, Justin Fields will be able to get that rushing floor that we've seen to where he can have a very average year or above average year. What what Derek Carr did this season, Big Ben, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford, even Baker Mayfield, and be a quarterback one. Whereas Mac Jones legitimately has to have a Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers-esque season to be a quarterback one. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, it's I, I think it's interesting uh, the quarterback floor, and I brought this point up in the the uh, little little group chat earlier. Even someone now here's the tricky situation: the quarterbacks who have a super good rushing floor but aren't as talented as passers. When they start, you can expect a lot of fantasy production, but it's also the fear of how long do you count on them to be a starter for. An example I brought up was Jalen Hurts, which is why Frank made the point of they still need to be a top-half passer where you're confident that they're going to be starting a while. Because that rushing floor, Hurts, when he started and finished games, was a very good fantasy quarterback. But his value kind of gets wavy because no one knows, God knows if he ever starts again after the season. So I think that brings up a really good point especially when comparing these rookies and seeing comparing Justin Fields to a Zach Wilson um, or Mac Jones. So I don't know how – here's what I'll ask you guys. Say, considering the Russian floor, say Lawrence goes to uh, obviously Jacksonville. Say Justin Fields goes to Carolina. How far away fantasy-wise with Fields rushing for do you have him behind Lawrence? Fields would have a better rushing floor. No, not him. rushing floor. Are you I'm saying sorry, I'm how sorry. much does like With the rushing, his rushing floor make up? Yeah. Oh. How, how far away from Lawrence's Fields fantasy was? 
that that's tough. Now the one I, I like what you brought up about the longevity because that's one thing we just haven't been able to see, right? Because we haven't seen this modern quarterback with the rushing floors. We don't know how long this lasts. We just don't really have the data points. Um, I that that's a really good point. I, I honestly don't really know. For me, JT, let me hear yours. Yeah, so I'm I'm very big on on Justin Fields, but like I also really like Trevor Lawrence, right? Obviously, but, and Trevor Lawrence is it's not like he can't run. He's I don't yeah, think obviously he's yeah. as good as Fields, but he can he can run. I I have his total his total. So if we have their last season of playing transitioned into fantasy points, Trevor Lawrence did meet that rushing floor we were talking about with twenty four point three six percent of his total production being. Um, rushing. The only problem is that 17 of that 24% was rushing touchdowns. Mm, so a lot of goal line stuff. Yeah. He's like kind of a big QB. I, I have a question. How does the how do the other QBs rank with that? Do you have that on our? Yeah, I have it right here. So Zach Wilson. I'll just go by rushing percentages. Zach Wilson, 23.78% of his production was running, but once again, 16.7% of that touchdowns. Justin Fields, 29.9% running, um, with 13% of that being touchdowns. So wow. legitimate running. Yeah. Um, and Kellen Mond was the other one. 24.87% of his total production was running, 11.18 touchdowns. And then Trey Lance in 2019, 46.47% of his total production was rushing. Which uh -huh. I actually think is a little bit scary because you're almost <laughs> asking him by this profile to be a Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson S runner, which I don't think he is. No, nah, I think in the NFL he'd be more of like a like a Tannehill, maybe right, maybe Yeah, exactly. Allen. His high well, end would be Josh Allen with rushing. Do do you guys wanna just take all those quarterbacks and move it to consensus now and we could talk about where we Yeah, let's talk about consensus. consensus. Yeah, so I, I've got something to drop on you guys uh, real quick before we talk about. Don't drop anything. I'm, get, I'm getting lower and lower on Zach Wilson as, as it goes on. As, as people get higher and higher on him, I'm getting lower and lower. That's that's all. Well, we, could, we could talk about on in. next I, episode. I got him QB3. Are you putting him below QB3? Uh, he's, he's there with Trey Lance. I think I've got him at QB4 after Trey Lance. Um, oh, so now he's behind Trey Lance for you. Yeah. And Frank mentioned earlier the, the quarterback two, whoever goes to San Francisco. Well, I'm just uh, – I, I fully believe it's going to be Justin Fields to San Francisco at quarterback two. So, he, yeah, he's my quarterback two. Um, all right. So let's go by like a, a five-player by five-player thing guiding through our consensus. We, Jake's not here with us again, but um, we are taking our big board, our first three rounds, and we're comparing it to – um, mock drafts that we found in, in the consensus of mock drafts, right? So we'll go all the, by like a five-player by five-player basis. <clears throat> so when we're looking at this, right, uh, our first five and the, the five uh, players are, are pretty similar. We've got Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Jamar Chase, Javante Williams as our fifth. And consensus has Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Jamar Chase, Zach Wilson, Najee Harris as their fifth. And we're really looking at where this podcast, where this YouTube channel really differs from, you know, the consensus rankings. And the first player that we find is Najee Harris. We have Najee Harris all the way down 
as our... He's RB3 on our board, right? Yes. He's yeah, he's, R... at, he's at consensus pick 12 for us, which yeah. I thought was pretty low, to be honest. Yeah. We have Najee Harris consensus pick 12, while consensus has him at pick 5. I, I so thought it our... was low, but when I went pick by pick, like I'm like, I'd yeah, take this guy over Najee. Exactly. I just think he's the easily most overhyped player um, coming out of this draft class with uh, Zach Wilson starting to, to pick up pace, I feel like. Those are the two guys I think are, are starting to become very overhyped. Um, we've talked about before. I don't about disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, real, real quick, like I don't disagree that he's overhyped. <clears throat> I think right now he's being overpicked. Like 105, are, you talking about especially... Wilson, are you talking about Wilson or Najee? Najee Harris. Okay. Um, like in this draft, Najee Harris, I do not have him as a tier one running back prospect. Like comparing, you know, last year's running backs and this year's running backs, where Javante Williams, I do have as a tier one running back prospect. So like that in and of itself, considering the fact that there are a bunch of really freaking good quarterbacks, two tier one receivers, and a tier one tight end, on top of the fact that we just have Javante Williams over, I can see why you know all of a sudden. You just start going pick by pick, and for us, Najee Harris falls. Now, I think the one thing that I will say is that it does depend on your team makeup a little bit in terms of whether or not I pick a running back. Because, like, on my board, this is going to get scoffed at, but I I have Kellen Mond and Mac Jones right around Najee Harris, and people are going to be shocked by that, but at the end of the day, the quarterbacks carry so much value in these super flex leagues that there is a legitimate argument. If I'm a team that has a really competitive roster then I will gladly take Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, you know, even maybe over a Kyle Pitts if if I need that running back to help me compete. But if I'm a, a rebuilding team, I just like these quarterbacks more. And realistically, I would look to trade down if my league mates are all like, oh, Najee Harris this, Najee Harris that. Like, I, he's a good player, but realistically it's like in this type of draft with all these really good quarterback prospects and these top tier receiver prospects i just think he's lower than these guys every time i see Najee harris film i always just think can you imagine if it was javante williams behind that o-line yeah i mean north carolina had a good o-line i mean yeah no not that there's bad but bama's and with like that passing game to kind of take some of the pressure not again not that north carolina passing game was bad but The only thing that does have me kind of cooling down on Javante Williams is he didn't have a great pro day. Um, again, Are you talking I about like, his 40 time? Yeah, pro day doesn't really change a whole lot for me, but it does have me like... I, I had him as the clear number one running back. Now, I still think he is, but it definitely gets murkier. But I think I think for me yeah, with pro day, what, he ran a 4-5-5? Something like that, yeah. I, I think for me, I project him to be kind of a Nick Chubb type running back, and Nick Chubb ran a 4-5-2. So, I mean, I think though Nick Chubb is just a way better pure runner. But let's let's move on. I mean, on. he's not gonna be. Uh, but I'm saying type running back. Yeah, that's kind of a, a keyword. I'm I'm trying to move off that saying stuff like that. But all right, um, moving on. So our picks six through ten, we've got Kyle Pitts, Trey Lance, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, and Travis Etienne. Compared to consensus, with which has Trey Lance, Devontae Williams, Travis Etienne, Kyle Pitts, Devontae Smith. So the big one here that we're we're much different than consensus on is Kyle Pitts, right? We have him at 106. They have him at 109. That's a pretty significant difference when we're talking first round picks. Um, we should um real quick we should we should put these two lists in the bio too, so it kind of helps viewers follow, like our yeah, top. I think that's a good idea. All right, Lynn. 
Um, but <laughs> what was I going to say? So um, we've talked about Kyle Pitts a decent amount. And Lewis and I are both of the, uh, like, we're saying, like, we think he's probably the second best pass catcher next to Jamar Chase out of this class. I think people keep throwing it out there. He's the best tight end prospect they've seen in a while. I'm willing, Ever. especially, yeah, I'm willing to, if it's, especially in, like, tight end premium, you could be a top five pick for me in tight end premium. Um, probably pick five, but, you know, top five nonetheless. Um, yeah, that's that's just what I feel about Kyle Pitts. We've talked about him a lot. He's actually very young, too. He's only going to be, like, 20 when he enters the NFL, um, which is something that's kind of crazy. He's got a long time to develop, Insane. too, and we know, we know tight ends... Yeah, we know tight ends do take the longest to develop typically. So I'm I'm willing to wait out forever with Kyle Pitts. I just I he's, love the process. He's gonna jump he, up he, boards though. He's... When he gets picked top ten, he's people are gonna start. Yeah, but I feel like at this point, everyone kind of like knows he should be going. He's gonna top go top ten. 10. He, he's yeah, they be... know it, but they haven't seen it. That's the problem. <laughs> he he's gonna be in his third season. I'm pretty much as old as Najee Harris is right now. <laughs> that's wild to think about. I mean, that's essentially what Ronald Jones is doing too. Um, yeah. All right, but let's move on. So, so this one's kind of the, the, the juicy one of the group, right? <laughs> so we have, um, what? Let's see. We have Rashad B. No, sorry. We have Mac Jones at eleven. Najee Harris twelve. Rondale Miller thirteen. Rashad Bateman fourteen, um, and Diami Brown fifteen. And then consensus has Rashad Bateman eleven. Jalen Wild twelve. Mac Jones thirteen. Rondale Miller fourteen, and Terrace Marshall fifteen. So the differences Damn, they... here are, Go ahead. sorry, well, yeah. So the differences are, they are higher than us on Rashad Bateman. They have him at eleven. We have him at um, fifteen, I believe, or fourteen. And they have Terrace Marshall at fifteen. We don't even have him in our top fifteen. But we have Jalen Waddle higher than them. We have got Jalen Waddle all the way up at one hundred nine. They've got him at one twelve. So there's three big discrepancies here. Um, we're also up on Mac Jones two picks too, I and mean, it's not a ton, yeah. but like that's a, it's everyone. A everyone amount, always forgets how valuable quarterbacks are in superflex <laughs> so, <laughs> until, yeah. until midseason hits. Yeah, I, I feel like it, that's why I had him at one twelve. Especially if he gets drafted in the top fifteen, I have a hard time putting him beyond fifteen. Um, I mean, sorry, beyond the first round in, in a superflex draft, like he's getting yeah, t- like, drafted in the top fifteen. Yeah, and this is just a common tip. If a quarterback goes top fifteen in real life, they shouldn't fall out of your first round of your superflex rookie draft. It's not just Dwayne Haskins. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all kind of, we all kind of knew about Dwayne Haskins, what was going on there. Um, the Washington football team was just a tough organization to trust. Um, but yeah, I mean, I talked about Rashad Bateman, why I'm really high on him. You guys talked about why you're low on him. Same thing with uh, Jalen Waddell. Honestly, same thing with Terrace Marshall. And, you know, that kind of gets to where now it gets more interesting and more players that we haven't talked about, right? Um, because then we move on past uh, those picks. So now we're in, when we're talking about 12-team uh, uh, super flex drafts, right, we're in the middle of the second round. So at 204, which would be pick 16, at 204, we've got Elijah Moore, 205, Kellen Mond, likely to Frank, <laughs> due to Frank, uh, 206, Tylen Wallace, 207, Jamar Jefferson, and uh, 208, uh, Terrace Marshall. While... No, 207 for us is Gainwell. Oh, sorry, yeah, Gainwell, Gainwell. 
um, and 208 Terrace Marshall. While they have Gainwell all the way up um, at 204, Elijah Moore at 205, Michael Carr at 206, Tylen Wallace 207, Jamar Jefferson at 208. So the big ones here are they are higher on Gainwell than we are um, by about four picks, as well as Michael Carter. And I feel like a lot of that lies in I'm kind of lower on Michael Carter than consensus. I've talked about him a couple podcasts ago. Um, and they're also higher on Kenneth Gainwell than us, um, which I'm starting to come around on, guys. I'm starting to like Kenneth Gainwell. What do you think? I love Kenneth Gainwell. He, dude, he's just – he plays so hard. Um, one thing that, like, I think of all these running backs, though, like, Kenneth Gainwell has got a decent shot of maybe sneaking into the end of the second round, which will start shooting him up. Because I think that's that's the one thing that it seems like all these drafts are waiting for right now, is that they're looking to see if one of these running backs is going to sneak into the end of the second round, whether it's Gainwell, Carter, Jefferson, whoever, right? You can just insert running back name. They sneak into the second, all of a sudden they're going to shoot up draft boards and they might sneak up towards the end of the first and then you're going to start hearing all those people say the uh the Tampa Bay running back's name um Keyshawn Vaughn Keyshawn Vaughn yeah then you're just going to hear everyone saying oh Keyshawn Vaughn Keyshawn Vaughn and then you're going to be like the other people saying oh but he's good he's a second round pick it's just going to be this whole mess it's going to be hilarious yeah it's once the NFL draft happens the the rookie drafts and the debate over the rookie drafts before the NFL season it's it's gonna be a bloodshed. <laughs> it's gonna be a bloodbath. But Kellamond. Yeah. Um, I don't actually, know who. I don't... Okay, I'm telling you now, and I'm sure you guys both know this. So I guess this is more to the viewers. Kellamond is gonna rise on everyone's consensus when they see how early he goes in the real life NFL draft. Yeah, I don't know who's so high on Kellamond, but um... <laughs> yeah, Kellamond. I think is... he's all right. <laughs> Kellen Mond is much different. They, we've got him at 205. We're, according to our rankings, we're willing to pick him in the middle of the second. Uh, they've got him a whole round behind at 305, um, consensus does. So I, I feel like the majority of that is Frank really driving it. But <laughs> it's, I, had him, I, I had him pretty high. I had Kellen Mond. Let me find it. Um, it is. While you, while you look for it, I will just chime in. Like It, it is interesting where I'm when we're getting around this point, like, I'm not really going to bat or dying on a hill for most of these prospects. So, like, getting a quarterback probably has your best chance of getting more value because if you could get a starting quarterback and, according to Frank, one that's more likely to be a, a, a quarterback one than some others, um, fantasy-wise, and you're getting him in the middle of the second round, that's great value. That's insane value, really. Yeah, so. GT, you can go fuck yourself for putting him at the very last pick. I feel like you're that was almost I've just to spite me. You're lucky I've got him in mine because I, originally I wasn't going to, but I was like... Hey, yeah, I would well rather you just left him off than put him at the very well, last what did, pick. What I did do was I, I left Tony off. I left Tony completely off. <laughs> so at least disrespect. I didn't do that. It's not disrespect, it's just facts. My my rankings are facts. They are law. They're the right ones. Um, They're the only ones. <laughs> One thing I will we make say, though, real quick. JT destroys Tony Truther with facts and logic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm kind of out on Terrace Marshall, to be honest. Uh, I, I oh, watched no, a lot Frank. of tape initially. I did like him. Man, I, I just... He's inconsistent. He doesn't try half the snaps, mainly when he's not getting the football. Um... Like, 
he's in this weird middle where it's like he has some reps where he produces on the outside and then other reps where he gets shut down and then you put him in the slot and sometimes he produces and sometimes he gets shut down. Tape just very inconsistent. Um, I understand there's a lot of people that are really high on him, but I, I have him in the same tier where it's like, you know, a lot of people like him and are and and are drafting him. What like his consensus is two o three? Yeah, like dude, last year and basically every draft, I could have picked up a Brandon Ayuk at two o three. I would much rather have right now a Diamond Brown at two o three. Even like Kellen Mond, Mac Jones if he falls, Rondell Moore. Like I feel like these guys are way above, for at least in my opinion, Terrace Marshall as a prospect. So I am out on Terrace Marshall. By the way, just to clarify to the thing earlier, Frank had Kellen Mons at 108. I have him at 202, so I think he's worth a top three pick in the second round. And then JT, I don't even want to say it. Once again, it does depend on, like, (laughs) I'm not saying to go out here and at at 108 pick up Kellen Mond, because, like, if I were in that scenario, I would trade down and just pick up value and then pick up Kellen Mond early in the second round. Like, I'm not saying that you should go out here and, and draft Kellen Mond early in the first round. It's just when push comes to shove, I think that Kellen Mond's just got got just as much of a chance of being a high end quarterback as these guys that are being picked really highly right now. <clears throat> uh, personally, I just don't see it with Kellen Mond, but yeah, go watch the tape, JT. I watched the, watch the tape. I, I've told you we've debated this before. I'm not. Um, him. Not by right, let's move on, cycles. though. Let's move on. Yeah, okay. We're, we're getting pretty close to wrapping it up, actually. Um, we'll finish out the second round here, and then we'll, we'll wrap up with the third round. Um, so now we're looking at around 208, 209, where... So we had Terrace Marshall at 208, Trey Sermon 209, Michael Carter 210, Chuba Hubbard 211, and Kadarius Tony 212, which is likely due to me keeping him off my board. Um... Consensus had Jamar Jefferson 208, Amon Ross St. Brown 209, Tony at 210, Diami Brown at 211, and Chuba Hubbard at 212. So what really stands out here is uh, Diami Brown um, and maybe Jamar Jefferson as well um, because it does seem like consensus is a lot higher on Jamar Jefferson than we are and we're a lot higher on Diami Brown than consensus is. Uh, we have Diami Brown like a, almost a full round higher. Um, and then Jamar Jefferson, they have almost you know, like half a round higher, maybe a little more. So those are the two guys I guess we'll really focus on. Um, I guess we can even skip Diami Brown because Frank and I told uh, told everyone about our love for Diami Brown, what we believe in him. I guess consensus just doesn't really see that yet. But I, I once agree. once he gets good draft capital, yeah. if he yeah. does, I think he's going to shoot up. I think he's a prime target to be shooting up boards. Um, I think it's the same thing with Jamar. I, I don't think that Jamar is going to go anywhere near as high as others seem to believe. Because um, you think so he I won't think, get drafted high. So he'll drop Yeah, I, I, I have him valued as like a fifth-round prospect. Yeah, every, so like, everyone, I think everyone happens, tries to, Yeah, I was going to say, every year... Uh, I'm, I'm attacking Ardash Dynasty directly. Every year, like, it's always <laughs> some late-round running back who they try to force up just because everyone's desperate for running backs. Like, seen that with Darwin Thompson... Seen it with uh, uh, what's his face? Um, Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah, yeah, it happens every single year. All right, but those are the running backs. Yeah, those those are the two main guys that we're really different on. So we're higher on Diami Brown, lower on Jamar Jefferson. Although I, I'm okay with Jamar Jefferson. I actually kind of like him. Um, I think he'll he'll be 
Uh, yeah, and you're the worst. Prospect. Sorry. <laughs> um, all right. I think he's my Third uh, round. Three, 301 to 306. Uh, we've got Amon Ross St. Brown, which is a little lower. Nico Collins, who we have a little higher than consensus. Jamar Jefferson, we talked about. Tamarion Terry at 304. 305. Dude, they don't even have Nico Collins in there on the mock. Yeah, when we're when we're getting into this Jeez. zone, it does get a little little hazy with where people have certain players. Um, three hundred five, Kyle Trask. Three hundred six, Seth Williams. Uh, so we could we could stop there and talk real quick. Um, the real difference is at three hundred one, consensus has Pat Fryermuth. Three hundred two, Tamari and Terry. Three hundred three, Kyle Trask. Three hundred four, Trey Sermon. Three hundred five, Kellen Mond. Obviously, we talked about Kellen Mond. While we're higher on him, mostly thanks to Frank, which puts him like a full round higher. Um, Kyle Trask is about the same. So, so the two guys that we got to focus on here are Pat Fryermuth, who we are lower on, and Trey Sermon, who we are higher on. Trey Sermon, I think we talked about a decent amount. I'm pretty high on Trey Sermon, and you just go watch his his most recent games. I feel like he could be a decent back in the NFL. But obviously, I don't feel that highly about him because I'm only willing to pick him at like a mid second round pick. Uh, meanwhile, we've got Pat Fryermuth at 301. Who is he even on some of our boards? I feel like he's he's at the he's end at of the very Jake's bottom board. of mine. Yeah, well, because I, I think I think the big difference is um, let me find mine really quick. I think the big difference is I think it'll change that uh, some of us it might be all of us don't have him as tight end too. Yeah, I don't have him as tight end too. I've got yeah, Brevin Jordan. Either. Uh, we're kind of equal with consensus on Brevin Jordan, though. But I'm I'm higher on Brevin Jordan than Pat Fryermuth. I don't really see it with Pat Fryermuth. I think it's Kyle Pitts, and then as Frank loves to say, the wasteland. I I just don't see any of those guys well, really he, well, up being. Here's the thing with Brevin Jordan and Fryermuth, where I think if you talk real life NFL, they're pretty equal. But if we're talking fantasy with receiving, I think Jordan's the better receiver. So that's what I I agree. Yeah, but I just. To be honest, I maybe Brevin Jordan ends up being something. Maybe he doesn't. I mean, that's why I've got him in like the the early third. I think I have him. It, it's a, it's a huge third. drop off after Pitts. Like no one's even close. Yeah, yeah. Man, it is a crime that they have Kyle Trask over Kellen Mond, and even Trey Sermon to a certain extent. I I do have Kyle Trask over Kellen Mond, albeit yeah. But we already established that you're the worst. <laughs> um, I mean, they're three eleven and three twelve in my rankings. So like. <laughs> it's not I, I like Tamarion Terry. That's disrespectful. Uh, this mock seems to be pretty high on him. Um, I think the problem with Tamarion Terry is that, A, we don't know what the hell happened at, at Florida State with his off-the-field issues and the fact that you know he got into a fight with the team. To be honest, after watching their offense, I think I would too, so I can't really blame him. <laughs> um, <laughs> then uh, it's like, dude, he's so inconsistent. Like You can tell that his technique is just kind of crap. Um, which I think is going to kill his draft stock a little bit. I like his talent, but, you know, when, if he comes out and he's a fifth-round pick, statistically speaking, you've only got, like, so much of a chance of hitting. Um, so it, that, that that's a tough one. To be yeah. honest, I haven't watched the tight end, so I'm not even going to talk about the tight ends. If, if, if Terry boosts himself up into a day-two pick, he'll definitely fly up my boards. I just I don't think it's going to happen, but... He is someone I like if he gets the decent draft capital. Um, all right, summing up the last ones, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, 307 to 312. 307, we have Dwayne Eskridge. 
308, Brevin Jordan, who we just talked about. 309, Pat Frymuth also talked about. 310, Demetric Felton. 311, Amari Rogers. And 312, Tutu Atwell. A very different board from Consensus, who has Brevin Jordan at 307, Kylan Hill at 308, Ramondre Stevenson at 309, Dwayne Eskridge at 310, Jarrett Patterson at 311, and Amari Rogers at 312. So there are some guys on here that we have that they don't. They have some guys that we don't. Um, this is kind of where we get into it's literally dartboard throws. Like I don't yeah. know what the statistics are on what late round thirds actually end up hitting, but I gotta imagine it can't be that high. Dude, uh, this is my zone. All right, <laughs> I am I am the third fourth round master. This is this is where you could get a lot of value though if you hit, but. I, I'm not willing to bet on it. I don't really feel comfortable taking like relying on any of these guys or really expecting any anything from the guys that I have from 307 to 312. Um, they kind of all just seem like roster uh, roster cloggers to me. I don't know. I I like Demetric Felton. I think that he has he's a guy that has a ton of potential. I think the problem is that he could run into that issue. We don't really know what he is. He he might switch to a receiver. He might stay a running back. So that's a little bit dicey. But I'll tell you what, Tutu Atwell, outside of the third round possibly, could be a really good get. I understand the whole Tutu Atwell, you know, I think it was Darren, Daniel Jeremiah that came out and had him as like a top 20 prospect initially, and now he's not even in his top 50. So, like, there was an initial surge of people being like, what the fuck, Tutu Atwell? Um, I, don't, I still like Tutu Atwell a little bit. I, I don't think he should go outside of the third round in a draft. Um, I see a lot of Mike Wallace in him. I think he's a guy that, in that intermediate space of the field, there's a lot to be desired. But nine routes, corners, as well as throw it to him behind the line of scrimmage, the dude's just got speed, like NFL-level speed, so... He plays bigger than he is. I, I like Tutu Atwell as like a third-round pick dart throw. Same thing with Demetric Felton. Um, the guys that they have, I'm out on a lot of them. Like Amari Rogers, I'm probably not picking up. Jarrett Patterson and Kylan Hill are kind of jags to me. I like Ramondre. I think Dwayne Jarrett Eskridge Patterson also had um, a terrible a pro day. I think Jarrett Patterson I'm had not a really bad pro day. <laughs> yeah. So, Dude, watching some of those games, it, I think he plays in the MAC, right? Um, yeah, Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo. They're in the MAC. Like, dude, some of those games, like I love MAC football, and I don't like. I watch a ton of small ass college football. I was watching some South Alabama tape before we came on the podcast, but like, dude, the games that they played in was a freaking clown fiesta. It was hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, when we're talking third round picks, late third round picks, that's what they're going to end up being. But yeah, I I think this is a good place to wrap it up. Um, you know, we we got through a lot today. We did our wide receiver rankings. We did our big boards. Uh, Jake couldn't be with us. Uh, we could have, you know, talked down to him about something. He, he's got picks. he's got to he's got to address his now Jalen Waddle over Devontae Smith. <laughs> we'll we'll grill him on the next episode. We'll grill him next episode. Yeah, what the hell? What the hell? I gotta just have you stranded out here. Yeah. You guys remember that mock draft? I mean, that was like a that was like the big segment on the podcast. It was me and Jake against yeah. the, the Decepticons, and then all of a sudden, now he's a Decepticon, <laughs> and now he's not here. I'll I'll take now I'll take gone. all believers, but it is kind of funny how Jake flipped. I mean, maybe me and Lewis are just that convincing. We have the facts. I don't <laughs> we know. Have and it. he's running. He's running. Yeah, I'm not apparently. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well. 
thank you everyone for listening. Episode 30 in the books. Only a couple weeks away from the NFL draft. Stay tuned. Uh, Again, like, comment, up. subscribe. I was just going to give a heads up. I'll be reminding you guys at the end of each of our podcasts, but we're doing a live stream the night of the draft. Just talking about each pick's significance to, fan- to dynasty football. And- yeah, fantasy live draft or uh, draft stream. Fantasy yeah. Yeah. related. I don't. I man, I botched that. <laughs> and we should have the picks coming a little bit before cable. So, and it will be more yeah. fun than watching. Yeah. We're, we're going to just ignore defense. Um, we might look at like guards or something and tackles if they help some random. Wait, players. defense is in the draft. What? Yeah. Um, there's, there's someone with a yeah. dynasty. There's someone with a dynasty IDP league being like, "What the hell, man?" Uh, I, I also heard we're getting, IDP leagues in shambles. We're getting special guests. Like uh, I heard Tom Brady will be joining us. Peyton Manning might make a guest appearance. So stay tuned for those big athletes to also give. The Sean Watson watch you. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! All right, we're done. We're out of here. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Like, comment, subscribe. See you.